0: Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm no hipster doofus. And I'm a little bit twisted. Welcome to episode 256, Wrestle Palooza, 1997. Woo! We made it. This is this our first palooza? It is our first palooza. Uh,
1: there's no, uh, no Perry Farrell in the gang here. No. Nope. Isn't isn't aren't they the ones responsible for La Lala. Palooza? I believe so. I think so. I think they started it or whatever. I don't know. Uh, they I mean, were, you made they the were same at least joke there. Last week, so oh did I? I, I assume
0: yeah, that. <laughs> I assume that uh it's the truth. Yeah, sure. You're gonna make the same joke twice. I, at I mean, least I believe it. Exactly. <laughs> now, now I gotta look.
1: <laughs> Damn. I'm a hack. <laughs> Who started
2: La La Perry Farrell. See?
0: You're as accurate as Wikipedia. Nice. Now, this is our first Wrestlepalooza, but it's actually the second one produced by ECW. We didn't get to watch the first one because we probably couldn't find the tape. And it took place on June 6th, 1997 from the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, with an attendance of 1,250
1: I mean, I think they cap it 13. 13, or maybe 15. 50. I think they've had, I think I think the they credited view, 15. I think at the
0: review said 15. So yeah, I can't yeah.
1: remember. But that's uh, hanging from the rabbit, But 1,200 people in this building is still uh, more than probably. Is legally, is, yeah, more than probably, uh, you know, okay by the fire code.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But we are back in Philly. Yeah, we are. I mean, it's first time in a. It's in been a little, little while. It's been a little bit. It's kind of nice. So Shane, did you do what you do? I
2: did. Here we are, back in Philly, for our first ever second Wrestle Wrestlepalooza. Um, <laughs> trying to think of a way to say it, and that's how it came out. Yes, I did what I do, where I hopped on the old uh, interwebs and said... Fuck! Help me out. We're back in Philadelphia. What oh the cr- hell do I need to bring?
1: What what uh, what was what did they serve at uh, Lollapalooza? <laughs> and see, I didn't even think <laughs> of that. I'm I mean, not gonna lie.
2: I typed in to Google Wrestlepalooza Palooza themed drinks.
1: Okay. Nothing weird. Yeah, I can't uh, imagine there was anything. <laughs> <laughs> that, was lo- that was a that was that was a half court shot for sure.
2: I jumped back to the the list of uh, of drinks that our friend Joe sent us several months back. Uh, to see what our final remaining drink on the list was. And it didn't really fit. I mean, yeah, it's ECW-themed, but the person that it represents didn't make an appearance on the show, so I figured, I oh, we'll hold off on it and we'll figure out something else. Mm-hmm. So then I started thinking, what the hell have we talked about before? And it popped in my head, your voice saying, what's Taz's favorite drink? And <laughs> <laughs> this isn't necessarily Taz's favorite drink, but I typed in, what's Taz's favorite drink? And then I typed in Taz-themed cocktails, and all of a sudden I found something that I doubt it has anything to do with Taz. But it says... you mean like
1: maybe Taz the, uh, the Looney Tune?
2: There was no pictures of anybody. I'm, I'm assuming this is just maybe a bartender named Taz. Okay. But so there's a lot of those guys. This here is what we call
1: Taz's Twisted
2: Fizzy Cosmo. There we go. Oh. And so, yeah, I've never had a, had a Cosmo. Sip. I don't know what's in a
1: Cosmo. I know they're pink. Cosmo so typically
2: is, is vodka, cranberry juice, splash of lime. Oh, that's it? Served in a martini glass. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's Taz, so I figured we'd at least need a glass with some ice in it instead of just, you know, a, a fancy martini glass. It's a taz The The twist comes from using some uh, orange twist vodka. So there's some orange vodka, there's some cranberry juice, it has lemon-lime soda, 7-Up, so there's mm-hmm. another twist there, and that also adds the fizz. Yeah, you just pour it all over ice and give it a little
1: little bit of a stir. It's delicious. It tastes like, uh, I don't know, if you threw a couple different sweet tarts in your mouth at the same time. I could totally see that. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good.
2: Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm not mad about it. It's got that, you know, the orange kick to it, so you know, it represents at least one of Taz's colors, and yeah, it's with you know taz's somewhat change in personality coming on i i had a i don't know i could just see him drinking one of these instead of just you know being the the badass that has the the whistleblower standing in front of him
1: yeah as a as a uh, heel he was uh, drinking uh, straight liquor i was and, gonna say uh, that or just blood <laughs> yeah and uh, <laughs> yeah and here he's added a, added a, a little
2: bit
0: of fizz oh yeah
1: just a few a few extra ingredients a little fizz a little fun
0: Something that would come out right around the same time, Con Air would come to theaters. Damn it. I need my Diva
2: fan and longer hair right now. (laughs) Okay, Nicolas Cage.
1: (laughs) I haven't seen Con Air in so long. I remember Steve Buscemi's a pedophile. Seems fitting. (laughs) Like, right? And, uh, yeah. Wasn't there another movie, or like, is Broken Arrow similar? Or is it called Broken Arrow?
2: I mean Conair Broken Arrow and The Rock came out
0: really Broken near Arrow, each other right around the I've definitely seen together. The
1: Rock more than Conair, but Conair seems like it's totally up my alley. What do we got. I've here? never it's seen Broken, Broken Arrow.
2: John Cusack, John Malkovich, Steve Jimmy, Monica Potter, Ving Rames, Danny Trio, It's Dave a
1: pretty sick Dave Chappelle. Chappelle's in Conair.
2: No, yeah. somebody named Joe Parker. And then hey, how do you
1: Michael T. Williamson. Parker I have no clue who Joe Parker is.
0: Comini. All right, there's more people in there that I remember. I mean, it's a true ensemble cast because they gotta have quite a few bad guys, yeah, aboard the 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 flight. Yeah, yeah it's one of those that um, or
1: I think about regularly where I'm like, I should watch Con Air. I have that thought maybe like once every eight months, and then I haven't uh, just haven't done it.
2: And so, I think of the three that we had mentioned, Conair is the one that I've seen the least.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, yeah, no, I would yeah.
1: definitely. Say I mean, I've seen The Rock a bunch, but The Rock's also like this probably the, where... the best Michael Bay movie, or maybe one at least one of the best Michael Bay movies, right? And that's the one where How Do I Live?
2: Wasn't this on the soundtrack? Yeah, yeah. the Tricia was it Trisha Yearwood's version? How Do kind? I Live
1: Without You? That's
2: yes, yeah. you had dueling country divas. With How Do I Live Without You on the radio at the same time and Trisha Yearwood and Leanne um, Rhymes.
0: Conair's not a Michael Bay movie.
1: No, no, uh, The Rock. I'm oh, saying The Rock because we, we referenced it or whatever. Because I don't uh, have I mean, much to say about Conair. I haven't seen I mean, it's it since that I was
0: like 12. Bad Boys 2.
1: Yeah. What you gonna do? I do like Bad Boys 2. Did he do The Island? I think The Island is a little underrated. Not that it's great or anything.
2: Is that the DiCaprio one? Or
1: no, that's The Beach. The Beach. Uh, no, The Island is... Uh, it's like a weird sci-fi movie with like Scarlett Johansson and... I think Steve Ewan, Buscemi's in that. Ewan McGregor. And Ewan McGregor. Steve Buscemi yeah. is in it. Yeah, yeah, that is a movie. I feel market like market. that was a movie that nobody that saw, but like market. I remember being and seeing it and being like, that was uh, absolutely acceptable. <laughs> like, I didn't have a bad time.
2: And just for the sake of my brother-in-law, if he's listening, I'll just go ahead and say Steve Buscemi, that way you know who we were talking about. Buscemi. <laughs> you know, I
1: really liked the... Uh, a lot of people really hate this movie. But I like it, and I think it's the last time The Rock did anything uh, interesting on film. The bodybuilder one. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, Pain and Gain? Pain and Gain. I yeah, liked Pain. Pain and Gain. I thought Pain and Gain was a fucking blast. I
0: don't know if I ever actually watched Pain, Pain and Gain. Pain and Gain was fun. I mean, it, it definitely lives and breathes on the chemistry between him and Wahlberg.
1: Yeah, yeah. At the same time, it's not a fucking masterpiece, but it's not boring. And The Rock's very funny in it. So I just remember. this. He stopped being funny
0: First rock movie. I was like, really? see <laughs> so here. What did Simon? Because Simon West directed Connor. I was like, what else has he done? Yeah, doing? I don't know. Uh, he did the first Lara Croft Tomb Raider movie. Uh, I saw that in the theater. you remember it. 2. When we saw the first one, it stunk. He did as Jason Statham movie, The Mechanic.
1: Uh, I think that's a remake of um, a really good.
0: of the same. of a 72 film name, the same. Yeah, I but, mean, but it's a, a Charles Bronson. Mechanic. Yeah, the Charles Bronson mechanic, yeah. which has a great opening scene see, he actually was the director, and the reason we all get rickrolled. Really? Oh wow!
1: Yeah,
2: is that, yeah. that's his claim so to fame. We're never before. gonna give him up, are we? I think
1: we already have. <laughs> Gave him up for more, uh, Michael Bay. <laughs> on the more drama
0: side, he did the General's Daughter with John Travolta, Ugh. which is a movie. Okay, <laughs> yeah, nothing,
1: nothing to write home about. Nothing amazing, but, yeah. I don't I don't even know what that's about. See, I'm trying to think. But. My assumption is that a general's daughter gets uh, sexually assaulted and then it's a courtroom drama. But I could be completely wrong.
0: I believe that's correct. Oh, if wow. <laughs> okay. guys. what I mean. The okay. title, it's
1: all in the title. You just gotta read between the lines. That was
2: one of those, I need my Oscar. I need my Oscar. But it just ain't gonna happen for you, Johnny.
1: Yeah, try again with... Uh,
2: Maybe he'll show up what in... What is it? Dan-
1: Blast you, man-animal. Um, <laughs> battlefield Earth.
2: <laughs> Maybe he'll show up in Tarantino's final project, and he'll get that you know, final Oscar <sighs> nom of his life.
1: Yeah, who knows? I think I heard about a movie that came out last year that he was in that was actually okay, but I can't remember. I didn't. I probably didn't play in theaters. I don't think anybody saw it. Because Travolta and Nicolas Cage are like kind of similar and that they'll just like do anything but Nicolas Cage like one out of every 10 everyone's like oh this one's good mm-hmm. whereas with Travolta like that doesn't that doesn't happen anymore
2: one every 15 years yeah well yeah somebody <laughs> somebody
1: is like all right we're gonna give them we're gonna give them a shot I mean I'll give him
2: I'll give him credit he he went on a run there for you know a, a couple of years with you know Pulp Fiction and Phenomenon and Michael or was it Phenomenal
1: Phenomenon, Phenomenal. yeah, yeah. Michael's and Michael, yeah dude. That's a crazy I enjoy Michael, though <laughs> it's, Anytime it's, I take a
2: road trip yeah. Michael is always
1: <laughs> In my head Because
2: no. it's like What random thing is going to be On the side of the road here? We need to stop for the yeah. world's Largest ball of twine We need to have the world's <laughs> best yeah.
1: Something Michael might be one of those Movies that like I know is bad But I enjoy anyway like, mm-hmm. It's like, yeah But I don't know
2: I mean, it's got It's got the best of everything You got Horny Angel And we're talking about John Travolta Even though he's not in the movie That we're yeah, I that, know. That was, you know, on this date. We know the segment. <laughs> <just kind> of <laughs> of yeah, yeah. But yeah, you've got the the best of... This
1: is just l- lubing our brains up.
2: <laughs> the best of uh, Travolta in his his horny angel yeah, state. Yeah, it's you've such a funny character. The best of, of the worst of Andy McDowell because... Oh, yeah. I don't know how she gets cast in all these movies, because but she she's is so, not a good she's actress. She's so cute, but she's an awful actress. She's horrible. What's
1: funny is her daughter is already surpassed her in uh, acting and she's like probably like 23 Where's your daughter uh margaret qualley she she's really good uh she was in i think her biggest role at this point was uh she was one of the the family the like charlie manson girls from uh once upon a time in hollywood oh. she was the one with the that looks like annie mcdowell the okay. one uh, the uh brad pitt almost fucks uh but yeah she shows up in a bunch of stuff and she's always really good But she's a good actress. Uh, Her mother, who I find very attractive and uh, charming, not a good actress.
2: (laughs) And she's the same in every movie. Since, like, the first thing I can remember her in is St. Elmo's Fire. And she has that same non-acting ability all these years later. (laughs) Her best role might be
1: her, like, first one of note in Sex, Lies, and Videotape. I was going to say Sex, Lies, and
2: Videotape. (laughs) She had a a big following in Four Weddings and a Funeral. I... She wasn't a great actress in it, but I enjoyed her in Multiplicity. Oh yeah, as, as Mrs. Michael Keaton.
0: Is Groundhog's Day, her. You've actually probably seen this, uh, uh, Margaret Qualley. Yeah, like, she's in a bunch in, of stuff. Uh, Fosse Verdon. Did you watch that FX uh, show? Oh, I did. I,
2: it's really good. I started it. I can't remember if I finished it.
0: Yeah, she played Anne Ryan King. Hmm. In that.
1: Yeah. She looks like her mom. Oh, shit. Yeah, she does. Uh, but, yeah, she's she was most recently played a small role in uh, Poor Things. I still need to see that. It rules. Actually, there's uh, one of the Cohen brothers. I don't remember which one is putting out a new movie. And Probably she's does. and she's the lead. I'm excited to see it because I like her. Too.
0: And, Sweet. Uh, I really like, good. yeah,
1: I like, you know, I want to watch uh, any Cohen movie that comes out. Yep. Whether it's both of them or one of them. Yep. And it was like, oh, that's cool because I didn't know that it was coming out until, like, a week ago, and or that it was even a project. And I was like, oh, it's uh, her. I like her.
2: And I need Mrs. Cohen to start making some, you know, or choosing some fun roles again. She's played too many serious mothers with missing children, someone wanting to be a nomad.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love Frances McNorman, but mm-hmm. she just got kind of, like, old and annoying at this point. She's rude to say, but I mean it.
2: But, I mean, she is... The most Oscar-winning actress of our current era. She's got three in the last like fifteen years, twenty years, whatever it was.
0: That's enough about whatever (laughs) people that. (laughs) That's enough about not Connery. Not (laughs)
1: Connery, Yeah. Honestly, this could just be a movie podcast. I mean,
0: we've had uh, (laughs) we've had props given to us about our movie. I mean, we're movie podcast. We're
2: approaching ready to rumble time, so you know we'll. That's what people want to hear
1: about, yeah, how many I, times I saw Ready Rumble in the air.
2: <laughs> I wasn't around for the, the No Holds Barred podcast, but we're in a rumble. Get
0: ready. Well, let's talk Wrestlepalooza. The title and date card are shown, and Joey Styles is in the ring, welcoming everyone to the show. He then introduces ravishing Rick Rude, who makes his way to the ring, and even gets Joey to do the hip swivel.
1: got the music. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, him trying to get Joey to dance is very cute.
2: Happy-go-lucky Ravishing Rick Rude is something that... I mean, I know he played a dick for the bulk of his career, but it's just... It's kind of refreshing. It's like... Refreshing Rick Rude. I don't know. Yeah. It's We're it's always nice. happy to, We're
0: always happy to see him. Maybe even when he's bad on commentary... <laughs> They preview the matches that will be happening tonight with them mentioning that Stevie Richards is out with a spinal injury. Wow. Which we talked about a little I bit. I know, on the last but it reminded ECW me when show. I
1: watched the show and it broke my, my pee
0: picking heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we go straight to our first match the franchise, Shane Douglas with Francine versus the rookie Chris Chetty for the ECW World television championship. And the champion came out first. Foreshadowing. And Douglas grabs a mic to say that Francine has something to show everyone. Mm -hmm. Not that, guys. Where she pulls out a t-shirt that says, let's go Flyers. As Styles tells us that they had just lost in the Stanley Cup Finals in four games. A sweep. While the franchise grabs a broom. Shane then tells Chris that they can show this crowd something that they haven't seen in a while, an athletic competition, before shaking hands with the rookie. And we get a feeling out process to start with Douglas taking Chetty to the corner, where he slaps him, only for the rookie to respond with a pair of drop kicks to send the franchise out to the floor. And Chetty falls out with a plancha atop Shane and rolls him back in for a two count, before going to work on the arm. The rookie with a back elbow and a crescent kick makes a cover for a near fall as Francine puts Douglas's boot on the ropes. Bitch. <laughs> Chetty rolls out to stalk after her, allowing the franchise the baseball slide out of the ring, sending the rookie into a guardrail, followed by running him into the steel and body slamming Chetty on the concrete. Shane continues by crotching the rookie on the guardrail and delivering a chair shot before bringing him into the ring the hard way, before mocking Rude, which brings the crowd alive. So Douglas just starts yelling at them.
1: I love it. He's like, all right, athletic competition. And he, like, tries that. And Chetty, like, immediately starts to get the best of him. So he just abandons uh, Ship. Just smart, simple uh, heel work, like, without having to do anything too ridiculous. Like Shane Douglas didn't have to do the Flyers thing, but you got to do the Flyers thing.
2: And see, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's his age. Maybe I don't know. There's there's something about Chetty when I was watching him that I kept seeing or thinking to myself, Chris Chetty walked, so MJF could run. Because oh. there's something about watching him in the ring, I could just see huh. a similarity to the two of them, and it could just be that they're you know young, in-shape dudes and they just mesh well with anybody that I've seen them in the ring with. And so far, the two times I've seen him... Yeah, I mean, I've he been looks impressed-
1: like a star. Yeah, he does look like a star, unfortunately. <clears throat> I don't think that happens.
0: Really. No, probably not. <laughs> Francine hands the franchise a chair, smashing it across Chetty's back multiple times before setting it up in the ring. The rookie then flips out of a backbreaker and bulldogs Shane into the chair. Ah! <sighs> Before nailing a drop kick for a two count, and a top rope missile drop kick for the pin, and no, Ooh. Douglas kicks out. And um, the
1: crowd chanting "Let's go Kramer," because he has like, like Kramer hair, <laughs> like Seinfeld Kramer hair. Okay, I was like, I was like, is that, are that what they're saying? Let's go Kramer.
0: <laughs> but I was like, oh, I was like, yeah, I see that. The rookie hits a back body drop and leaps to the top for a moonsault. Only for the franchise to avoid grabbing Chetty for a belly-to-belly suplex for the pin and And the win. So close.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean,
2: got put away with a belly-to-belly. It
1: was nice. It was fun. He gave Chetty a good amount of stuff, and it all looked uh, great.
0: Nice way to start off the show. So we go to our second match, the FBI of Little Guido and Tracy Smothers with Tommy Rich Versus the Pit Bulls of Number One and Number
1: Two. FBI coming out because we didn't watch this on the network, so we get the real songs. Staying Alive, but like uh, LL Cool J, like (laughs) yeah, it's the version
2: version that as as they were playing, it was like this sounds like the song that they played in Romeo and Michelle, and then was it? Yeah, it's it's the one. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I was like, I think that's L.O. Cool J again
2: around that same timeline.
0: He maybe was a big fan. It's a good movie. So Guido uses his speed to avoid locking up with Pitbull 2, only to get met by a clothesline sandwich from the Pitbulls, followed by Smothers being taken down by a double clothesline as well. The Pitbulls keep up the attack with a Savat kick, back elbow, clothesline, and a neckbreaker to little Guido, before nailing an overhead belly-to-belly to to Tracy by number one, followed by a double noggin-knocker to the FBI, with Pitbull 2 then flying in with a double clothesline. Number one wears down Guido with a headlock, only to be shoved off to the ropes, where rich low bridges, causing Pitbull one to crash out to the floor. And Tommy crotches number one on the guardrail, while little Guido is antagonizing Pitbull number two on the inside. And number one's rolled back in for the FBI to work him over, with forearm drops, double elbow drops, a drop kick, and a sleeper from Guido followed by right hands from Smothers, only for Pitbull 1 to fire up with a sunset flip and a double clothesline to both Italians, before making the crawl to the corner as the FBI both miss elbow drops for the hot tag. tag. Number 2 cleans house with clotheslines, goes for a double noggin knocker, only to be kicked away and tossed to the ropes, where the Italians telegraph a double back body drop. So Pitbull 2 kicks Tracy away and delivers a powerbomb to little Guido for a two count. Number 2 then power slams and gorilla press slams Smothers, followed by Pitbull 1 clotheslining him over to the floor. So they can team up to nail the super bomb on Guido for the pin and the win.
1: As much as the... What is it? FBI? Uh, Yeah, like, Tracy Smothers being around just makes every tag match that he's in feel more like a tag match that I want to watch because of the way that it's laid out. But there's never enough Tracy Smothers in the match. But you can tell that he was like, all right, guys, here's how we're going to do it. And uh, so anytime he shows up, I'm disappointed that I don't get to see him wrestle enough, but that the match makes the kind of tag team sense that I appreciate. So, like, this was nice and fine and fun, and it was cool to see. It's been cool to see Pitbull 1, like, actually wrestle because he's been out for, was out for so long, and then when he came back, it was side of the ring stuff and yeah.
2: now, when he came garbage back, match I was, stuff. I was worried it was only going to be, you know, maybe one or two matches, and then he'd be done, so it's good to but see yeah. him back,
1: Now he's back like form. Yeah. It depends the era of the Steiners, but now he's the, like you know, Rick to Scott's hot tag or vice versa, which, uh, you know.
2: And it still blows my mind thinking back to when he had his little halo on just how different he looked (laughs) because he walks down and he's this fucking pit bull ready to attack. And then back then he was just this weak looking guy in normal clothes with a neck brace on and just didn't have that... Same yeah. charisma, same I mean, energy, same anything.
1: N- nobody looks good in a halo, and they're probably no. on pills. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I've got, I've got. Uh, that's the, that's how you're gonna get me on addicted to pain pills. Is if I have uh, my head in a halo for a year. <laughs> Outside, yeah. Outside of that, you know, good luck.
0: So we go to our third match, the Dudley Boys, Bubba Ray and Devon Dudley, <laughs> with Joel Gertner, Big Dick, and Sign Guy Dudley. Versus Sandman and Balls Mahoney, to be the number one contender for the ECW World Tag Team Championships. And the Dudleys bring some chairs into the ring while Devon grabs a mic to go over a few of the commandments. Number one, before handing the mic over to Bubba and to tell five. the crowd to but 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 blow me, <laughs> followed by making fun of the sign guy out in the crowd. Yeah, they went to town on him.
1: Yeah, they really did.
2: And it took me a second because it looked like they were pointing at the guy next to him yeah. at first. Hat then, guy? Yeah. Is that who that was, hat guy? Well, is it,
1: hat, hat, the guy that's always in the front with like the, he has like a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. yeah. Hawaiian shirt and a hat. That's hat yeah. guy. Cat. Yeah. Guy
0: next to him is a sign guy. Cat. Yeah. he says yeah. has a sign.
1: Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the uh, long-haired guy with the goatee in a while. The one that looks like he's from a
0: Motorhead cover band. be on the other side of the ring. Yeah, he could, yeah, could be. They then hand the mic over to Gertner to testify, in which he proceeds to get cheap heat by benching the Stanley Cup Finals, and that the only Stanley this crowd will ever get is the fat slob who sits in the second row. Oh, snap. Joel continues to complain how he couldn't go to the circus because of the hockey, but by the look of the crowd, the circus still came to town before introducing the Dudleys.
1: Single adult man going to the
0: circus alone. Bad look, Gertner. (laughs) And their opponents do the full Sandman entrance, slamming beer cans into their heads together and walking all around ringside until finally climbing into the ring with a kendo stick and a chair in hand while the Dudleys also still have their chairs.
1: Sandman finally has a partner that uh, reflects his matches.
0: Yes. Bulls. And the ref convinces them all to drop their weapons and the brawl is on where Devon is clotheslined down by Balls and drop kicked down to the floor by Sandman. Bubba Ray is chopped by Sandman inside the ring while Mahoney and Devon fight around ringside when Balls uses a chair over his head, followed by Bubba nailing Mahoney with a cane shot between the eyes from the apron as Sandman attacks from behind before flying out with a slingshot plancha atop Bubba Ray.
2: Isn't that where he slightly hits Balls as well?
0: <laughs> <laughs> balls and Devon are back brawling when Sandman goes back into the ring to leap over the ropes with a cane shot that seemed to get more of Mahoney uh-huh. than anybody. Yeah, too soon. that's the one. <laughs> Bubba's back up with a chair shot to Balls, followed by Sandman using the kendo over Bubba Ray's head before they return inside the ring while Mahoney and Devon make their way into the crowd and towards the snack bar. Mm-hmm. Sandman with a clothesline and a drop kick, followed by an exchange of strikes until Bubba can be tossed to the floor. Devon with a chair shot over the head of balls, while Sandman's being chopped by Bubba Ray, only to fight back to nail a chair shot, while Mahoney and Devon have now made it back to ringside. Sandman with a scoop slam onto the concrete, followed by a suplex of a table onto Bubba, before rolling back in while the others just continue to brawl, including Big Dick getting involved. Sandman and Bubba Ray trade blows, leaving them leaning against each other from how tired they are, when Bubba counters it into a stunner, making a cover for a two count, as Mahoney makes the save. Balls then goes after Bubba Ray, only for a reversal on a whip leads to a Bubba side slam, as Big Dick and Devon make their way into the ring. And Bubba Ray hits an elbow drop, followed by the Dudleys hitting a 3D of Mahoney onto a chair for the pin and And the win. Post-match, Sandman clears the ring with several kendo shots before the Dudleys celebrate on their way to the back, followed by Sandman and Balls hugging. Bros.
1: Yeah. Yep, they are friends, I guess. At least Sandman's... Not in the title picture.
0: That makes me feel good. At the moment. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) So we go to our fourth match. Chris Candido versus Terry Funk for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. And Candido comes down dressed as Funk. Doing an extraordinary impression of the man. Very good. Terry then comes out and takes the mic to thank the crowd for making an old man feel good.
1: I know, and I'm getting emotional about it. You're still mad about the desperado, Shane. Isn't it good? It's good. He's going out to pasture. I mean, obviously, Terry Funk well, couldn't quit. He needs to go
2: out to pasture because he's been out riding fences for way too long now. Yeah, I
1: agree, but... He's a hard know.
2: one. I know he's got his reasons, but he needs to let somebody
0: <laughs> love him already.
1: Yeah, I know, his poor (laughs) wife. I, I hope he loved his wife. Maybe that's why he wrestled for so long.
0: So as the match announcements are being made, Stevie Richards makes his way to the ring and takes the mic. Tonight, I had a chance to wrestle for the world heavyweight title in my hometown of Philadelphia. And he begins to tear up. Unfortunately, quoting the doctors at Bridmore Hospital and Dr. Mark Allen. Not only am I not going to get a shot at the world heavyweight title tonight, but I may never wrestle again. And then he chokes up. I didn't come out here to say any sob story or anything, to pray for me or cry for me or anything. I came out here to wish Terry Funk all the love in the world. Cause Terry, I looked up to you And as much as I look forward to wrestling you tonight, and he just drops the mic and gives Funk a big hug.
1: And it's really good, but the crowd is like pretty split on whether they care or not. And I'm like, come on. I
2: think they were waiting for him to do something. Yeah,
1: I don't know. It was, yeah.
2: Especially with. Him just like stopping his words the way he did, yeah. you know, he you going for the hug and then typically that's where the cheap shot comes. Also, in. Uh,
1: Stevie in glasses and regular clothes looks really cute. Mm-hmm. I good mean, good looking guy. Stevie's he a good looking guy. He always he looks, looks, he always looks good. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it was just the yeah, the, the glasses. I mean, just he, he looked like you could take him home to mom.
2: Just wait till he's an authority figure that wants to tell you <laughs> what to do with shorter hair and you know a crisp white shirt. Uh, his
1: T-shirt said it was like the corn logo, but it said corny. Yeah, I was like, I don't know, I don't. Yeah. Is that a, a Jim Cornette reference Or is it just a t-shirt of the era
2: could just be a t-shirt of the era it
0: cause... It's, it's so weird it's such a weird shirt It's
2: 97 so it's about that
0: time mm-hmm. Steve then leaves To a standing ovation And the focus returns to the ring As the bell rings With our competitors taking it to the mat Trading headlocks Until Funk can toss Chris out to the floor Where he regroups Back in, Candido with several strikes and chops that cause Terry to fall out to the floor. And Chris follows out, only for Funk to convince him to return to the ring. Where Terry nails chops and left hands that send Candido back out. With Chris then convincing Funk that they should take the match back inside. I mean, this is good, good fun stuff. Candido then throws Terry out, but this time the brawl's on into the crowd. Before returning to Ringside, where Chris tosses Funk atop the Timekeeper's table, followed by spiking him onto a steel chair with a pile driver.
1: What is it, 1989? He, he just, uh, you know, remember when he, Terry Funk did that to Ric Flair? That was on a table, not a chair, though. No, was it wasn't a Timekeeper ta- table. When he, whenever he w- got off commentary to start the feud,
0: it was on the Timekeeper's table. But, oh, this but was on a pile table. driver was on a chair on this one uh, on the table Oh, well, it reminded me of that oh, 089 what are you Candido throws a few chairs into the ring before trying to pile drive Terry through the table but it just gives way as he's lifting it <laughs> Chris then rolls Funk back in where he pile drives him one more time for the pin mm-hmm. and no, no Terry kicks out Candido with a fourth and fifth pile Jesus driver Jesus Christ that only gets a near fall you got in that head there, Terry. Before delivering three neck breakers for a two count. It's 1997. It's the year of the neck breaker, guys. Chris then tosses Funk out to the floor, setting up chairs in the middle of the ring, so that he can hit another neck breaker onto them.
1: Yeah, he does two set up tables and then a table across, or a chair, two set up chairs and then a chair across it like a
0: table, sending Terry rolling around in agony. <sighs> Candido continues the punishment with a powerbomb for an airfall.
1: Terry Funk sells that shit like he was getting stung by bees.
0: (laughs) He goes for a German suplex, but Funk counters into a neckbreaker of his own, followed by attempting a pile driver, only for Chris to counter into a hurricanrana and a clothesline. Candido then takes Terry to the turnbuckles for a super-rana for a two-count. He starts slapping Funk, who slaps back. But Chris then fires back with a back suplex, only for Terry to respond with headbutts and a haymaker, which Candido ducks. So Funk then rolls Chris up with a law Magistra for the pin and, and the win.
1: win. There's a good amount of booze after mm. the match. People were high on Candido, he came up pretty quickly.
2: Not gonna lie, I was kind of hoping.
1: I mean, I love Terry Funk, but Chris Candido has grown on me. Very
0: quickly in ECW, yes. as as they did with, as he has with the fans. And
2: Chris Candido without Sonny is so much better.
0: <laughs> Post-match, Shane Douglas and Francine come down to admonish Candido. So Chris looks to attack again, only for Terry to roll out of the ring and head to the back. Can't get this old man. Yep. Not
1: today, son. I mean, this is good shit. It's classic wrestling, and the old dog won with uh, experience and not power. It's like, saw the spot and saw the opening and took advantage of it. Also, the La Magistrale from Terry Funk. don't feel like you see that every
0: day. No. So we're headed to our fifth match. Raven with Chastity and Lupus versus Tommy Dreamer with Beulah in a Loser Lees Town match. Hmm. And Rick Rude has joined Joey for commentary on this one and Styles talks about the history of these two men, how it all started over Beulah, and how Tommy has never pinned Raven.
1: Pretty crazy. This thing's been going on for so goddamn long. Mm-hmm. It's a couple of years, at least.
0: Bell rings, and Lupus jumps in the ring with a mic, telling Raven that he doesn't have to do this. Just go. Get out of here. So Raven heads to the front door of the <laughs> arena. But Deemer decks Lupus and chases after Raven, tossing him into a steel door right outside the entrance, before dragging him back inside, using a chair, and heading into the crowd. Tommy spits a drink into Raven's face, but then gets hip-tossed off the bleachers through a table set near a wall. Raven then takes Dreamer atop another table for a pile driver, but that table slips out from under the weight, (laughs) so they fall straight into the concrete, busting yeah. Tommy open.
2: I'd say the rule for the rest of the night is stay away from the tables.
0: <laughs> Good luck, <in> ECW. <laughs> Raven then drags Dreamer to an eagle's nest area, suplexing a table atop Tommy, before yeah. leaving the table against the balcony, followed by tossing Dreamer through it as the franchise and Francine watch on. Raven then sets up another table on all four legs, bringing Tommy up to attempt a pile drive. But Dreamer counters with a back body drop that just slightly splinters the table. So Tommy sets Raven on it and goes for a running splash. Only for Raven to move, sending Dreamer crashing through the table. Tommy, stay away from the tables, man. Our competitors then make their way towards the entryway, where Raven whips Tommy into a railing, followed by Dreamer returning the favor before also crotcheting on the steel. And they make their way to ringside, where Tommy sends Raven into another guardrail, followed by a face buster on the concrete that busts Raven open. Dreamer then uses a chair over the head of Raven, before brawling up the bleachers into the back of the building, where Tommy drags his opponent up some stairs to another balcony, only to be tossed off onto a vending machine, and then off onto the floor.
1: I mean, the vending machine is a, a pretty funny spot. I'm trying to think, like, I wonder if the vending machine was somewhere else in the building, but then they're like, hey, <laughs> we, need a, we need a big spot. So what if we just push it up against this uh, balcony and, and you can dump me onto him?
0: Raven with a chair shot while dragging Dreamer back to the ring, where he drop-toe holds Tommy into a set-up chair, followed by placing him on a turnbuckle, only for Dreamer to fight him off, but Raven is back up to press slam Tommy off the top onto the chair. For a two count. Now, Dreamer counters a hip toss with a DDT before grabbing a sign from a fan. But as he goes to swing it, Raven rams the sign into the ref, knocking him down.
1: Ref bomb! And the crowd is hot as hell by this point. Yep.
0: Tommy then hits Raven over the head with a sign before tearing it apart to reveal a do not cross sign.
1: It, you know, kind of makes sense. But Tommy Dreamer has been crossed. By Raven. Quite a few times at this point. (laughs) And he will not yield anymore. (laughs) He's
0: done yielding. Tommy nails a pile driver atop it, with the ref waking up in time for the pin. And no! no! Lupus jumps in the ring to make the save. Now Dreamer holds Lupus and calls for Beulah, who nails a DDT on the goofy one, (sighs) before they pose for the crowd. But this allows Raven to go low and roll up Tommy, for a near fall. Raven then turns his attention to Beulah, pleading with her to take him back, which allows Dreamer to hit a low blow of his own, rolling up Raven for a two-count. Chastity then runs into the ring and sprays something in Tommy's eyes, allowing Raven to deliver a drop kick for a near fall. And Beulah starts yelling at Chastity. So they, of course, get into a catfight. CAT fight! Until Raven pulls McGillicuddy off, still hoping for a reconciliation. Only for Beulah to hit him with a low blow, leading to a Dreamer DDT on the steel sign. For the pin! And no! no, Raven kicks out! Back to their feet, Raven rams Tommy into the ref in a corner. Ref, Bob. Only for Dreamer to retaliate with another DDT. But John Finnegan, the ref, is still out. Louis Spicoli then runs out to attack Tommy, eventually nailing a DDT and rolling Raven on top of Dreamer, dragging the ref over to make the count for the pin, and no, Tommy kicks out again. Louis then picks up Dreamer for a Death Valley driver, only for Tommy to wiggle free and deliver a DDT, but Raven is right there to hit a DDT on Dreamer, For a two count. Tommy then counters another DDT from Raven into a Death Valley Driver. Followed by yelling, EC-Fucking-W.
1: And this is all on the sign. All these DDTs and Death Valley Drivers
0: just happened are onto the metal sign. Spiking Raven with a DDT onto the street sign. Making the cover for the pin. Mm -hmm. And And the the (sighs) win. About time. Post-match, the lights go out. Yeah, they do. But when they come back on, RVD is in the ring, kicking a chair into Dreamer's face. Van Dam continues to attack, but he gets caught on a leapfrog for an atomic drop, allowing Tommy to take control, only for the lights to go out again. Hmm. But when they return, Sabu is now in the ring. Okay. And he tosses a chair into Dreamer's face allowing the Homicidal One and RVD to continue the punishment as Raven just looks on before walking to the back.
1: I know, it was a kind of like wonderfully slick way to unceremoniously just move Raven on. He just looks back and it's like, well, that was was my time at ECW and uh, yeah, it's over. Now it was a bittersweet moment, probably for him. For me, I think I'd have, have had enough Raven at this point in my life.
2: Yep. Out goes the Raven. nevermore.
0: <laughs> Van Damme and Sabu telegraph a back body drop, allowing Tommy to nail a double DDT. Only for the lights to go out a third time. <laughs> Who can this... it be now? And this time when they come back, it's Jerry the King Lawler in the <sighs> ring. Well, I just. I mean, come on. Surprise of the night, right guys? Yep. <laughs> Dreamer goes after him, only for RVD and the homicidal one to stop him in time, which brings the locker room out to break it up, only to be beaten down by Van Dam and Sabu with chair shots to everybody. Everybody. The king is calling the arena shit and asking if anybody is worth a damn. When Alfonso suggests that Shane Douglas comes down to the ring, but the franchise just takes the mic to say, I ain't part of this bullshit. Just go ahead and kick all the ass you want. I I got no part. Lawler continues to degrade ECW. When the music hits, the X's go up. And the trash cans go flying. It's the gangsters, But they're just attacked by RVD and the homicidal one before they even get in the ring. Tommy's now back up and he tackles the king only be attacked again by Van Damme with a chair, while Sabu throws a chair at Jack to keep him from climbing in the ring. We want Taz! It's what the crowd's chanting, but Sandman is the next to come out with Kendo's stick in hand, whacking away on the homicidal one until RVD can make the save, followed by them delivering a double-team Van Daminator. And everyone continues to work over Dreamer and Sandman in the ring, While Spicoli is just holding Beulah in the corner, forcing her to watch. When the human suplex machine finally makes his way out. And everybody just bails out of the ring. Holding Sabu back, when Taz takes the mic to say, Hey Fonzie, why don't you bring those three pussies out here and fight me? Why don't you bring that old man, that decrepit piece of Memphis scum, that piece of shit... Hey Lawler, suck my cock. <laughs> the franchise then chimes in from the Eagle's Nest that the human suplex machine can calm down, that he ran them off already. But Taz just warns him to never interrupt him, that he wants them to return and lay him out. The human suplex machine then tells everybody to clear out of the ring because he isn't leaving until Sabu comes back out. Telling Heyman that he is sick of this stuff with the WWF. So Fonzie comes out and he gets in the ring. While Taz tells him that he has 15 seconds. Bill takes the mic to say there's no reason for Sabu to come out. So the human suplex machine just grabs Alfonso for a T-bone suplex. When the homicidal one would run back out. So I guess we're going to get our sixth match. Taz. Versus Sabu With Bill Alfonso I mean this The finish of that last
1: match Into this next one Might be The Best Like Schmoz Like surprise match Segment ECW's done Cause It's not boring it Makes RVD and uh, Sabu look like badasses it Makes Taz look like an even bigger badass And like It's There's so many of these In between match segments That we're like yeah, it was good, but it was too long, or that was fucking horrendous. And this one was just like the most kinetic and energetic. The crowd's hot. I'm actually entertained during all of this. Nonsense isn't the polite word, but it's the one I'll use.
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah. Lawler coming out, I had no expectation of that whatsoever. And
1: it feels like we should because of the ECW...
2: Yeah, and but they like, showed up on Raw.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. But it's like, yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's like, I was like, oh yeah, this totally makes sense. But uh, as soon as I saw him, like, but I didn't expect it by any chance, by any means.
2: Yeah, I'm hearing uh, Jerry Lawler say bullshit. Yep. it made me smile. But then I had to laugh because after that, he just continued to say the word crap instead. Yeah, <laughs> you're crap. You're all crap. Yeah, yeah. it's like, it's oh, like you're somewhere you can say this on a microphone. Just mm-hmm.
1: run with it. Yeah, but I guess he had to yeah. make the Taz is about to tell somebody to suck his cock. The
2: big <laughs> The Big Federation, you know, would probably frown down on that because yeah. you know, then they couldn't show a, a clip.
1: And even before that he did like, you know, Memphis TV and stuff for so long. It's like even if it was non televised Memphis event, I'm pretty sure that he's not yelling uh like shit and cocksucker to like the seventy year old ladies that show up every week
0: so our competitors start trading strikes until the homicidal one flies off the ropes with a springboard drop kick followed by a springboard spinning heel kick for a two count sabu's stomping and choking away but a thumb to the eyes allows the human suplex machine to get to his feet and reverse a whip sending the homicidal one to a corner where he leaps up and over only for taz to catch and slam him down
1: that spot always looks... What do you call that? Where you grab somebody's legs and you just... Yeet them. Yeet them. Yeah, you eat them. You get them. Yeah, it's just... Uh, yeah. It's a controlled c- controlled pan- pancake suplex.
0: I don't know, but it always looks so great. The human suplex machine with stomps, cross face forearms, and applies the red hook ringer. He's trying to break Sabu's nose yet again. But Sabu doesn't give it. So Taz releases the hold to continue the punishment more kicks only to telegraph a back body drop allowing the homicidal one to flip over and drop kick the knee of the human suplex machine sending him out to the floor it's gonna need those knees for all those suplexes to play to baseball slides out of the ring to send taz into the railing followed by an ACI moonsault to knock him down the human suplex machine is rolled back down It's rolled back in before the homicidal one nails a slingshot somersault leg drop from the apron for a two count. Followed by setting up a chair for a triple jump moonsault. But he slips and crotches himself on the ropes. Allowing Taz to deliver a T-bone suplex and a bridging northern light suplex for a near fall. The human suplex machine then climbs the turnbuckles. Only for Sabu to meet him there to attempt a springboard rana. But Taz blocks by holding onto the ropes before leaping off the top rope with a somersault leg drop of his own that the homicidal one avoids. No one home. Sabu then goes up for a flying leg drop for a two count, followed by a table being set up after the human suplex machine is dropped with a mule kick low blow and a DDT. Taz is placed on the table with the homicidal one heading to the top leaping off with a twisting splash, sending them both crashing through the table. But Sabu doesn't make the cover, and the human suplex machine recovers right behind him, so he locks in the Taz mission. But the homicidal one then rolls backwards with the human suplex machine's shoulders on the mat for the pin! And And the the win!
1: What a sick finish. One thing, there's the spot in this Sabu match where he does the uh, bridging German suplex with the yeah. pin attempt, mm-hmm. but the way Sabu kicks out and it's shot so perfectly, it's like my favorite spot of maybe the whole show. He just reaches out and grabs the back of Taz's leg and pushes it out to break the pin, and yeah, maybe it was just the like angle of the shot, maybe it was that it was uh, so simple and smart, but it. Really got me going. It's the simple thing sometimes. But yeah. Who
2: would have thought that uh, Sabu had any sort of simple thoughts?
1: <laughs> I think they're all simple thoughts. The, <laughs> Maybe the, this one the made execution sense. Execution is overly complicated. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Post-match, Taz refuses to let go. Even as Sabu is completely knocked out. But officials finally get them separated. The human suplex machine then starts attacking the officials with more TAS and German suplexes, until all that's left in the ring is Bill Alfonso. And the human suplex machine grabs him for a TAS as well, before taking a mic. But Shane Douglas then chimes in, first from the eagle's nest, to take it easy. That his job is done for the night, and just let the next match happen the human suplex machine calls out the franchise for having a little penis.
2: <laughs> Second time tonight. Somebody said that about him. First rude and now Taz.
0: Before suggesting that Shane just come make him leave. But Douglas has nothing to prove. And as they show this, you can see Candido and Tammy Lynn up on the balcony as well.
1: Yeah, I noticed her.
0: And Taz offers Shane a deal. If the franchise comes into the ring... The human suplex machine guarantees he can make him tap out within five minutes. And Douglas says Taz has got the confidence the size of a building, but he knows that it won't happen. So he's even willing to put the TV title on the line. And the franchise continues that when he lasts the five minutes, the human suplex machine has to leave ECW for 30 days. forcing his family to starve. But Taz responds, I'll make it 60 days and three minutes, which Shane loves and makes his way to the ring for our seventh match. Taz versus the franchise, Shane Douglas with Francine for the ECW World Television Championship. And the franchise pokes the eyes of the human suplex machine to gain an advantage before also hitting him over the back with the belt several times. Shane continues with a swinging neckbreaker and a DDT as we hear a one-minute call. Douglas delivers multiple inverted neck snaps, followed by putting on a full Nelson as we're halfway through our three minutes. But Taz counters and nearly gets the kata applied, only for the franchise to mule kick down low to escape. The human suplex machine reverses a whip to send Shane to a corner, where he leaps up and out, but Taz stayed in place, so that Douglas falls right back into a Taz mission, with the human suplex machine getting his legs locked around the body. Uh-oh. The franchise reaches out to the ropes, but he can't make it with 30 seconds left, so he gets to his feet and tries for the Bret Hart counter, trying to Run up the, the turnbuckle and leap backwards. Yeah, only for Shane to not get enough leverage, so he's forced to tap for the submission, and, and the win. win. And I,
1: I wasn't expecting that. They turn. It's like, yeah. What if we made the World Beater a World Ruler in one show? It's like fuck. Uh.
2: Yeah, and you know, trying to get him for the. The pin attempt that he just got
1: pinned by. Yep. Crowd goes wild. I mean, ECW is so good when they do fucking wrestling. And uh, this was
0: great. Post-match, Douglas, Francine, and even Candido are distraught over losing the title.
2: Not gonna lie, I was waiting for uh, Francine to unleash the hounds or something, because I could just see her turning again.
1: Oh, yeah. She's a a flighty woman.
2: (laughs) But then that would mean Shane would be face, and that just wouldn't work well. No,
1: no. As Taz would probably say it, I don't need no bitch. Hmm. That's what I would assume he would say.
2: Oh, no. I wasn't talking about (laughs) Francine going to him, but just doing like a scary sherry type thing Mm. where she's pissed off, so she just decides to attack
0: on her own, finally. Okay. So we go to our eighth match. The Dudley Boys of Devon and Bubba Ray Dudley with Joel Gertner, Big Dick and Sign Guy Dudley versus the Eliminators of Perry Saturn and John Cronus for the ECW World Tag Team Championships. And the Dudleys and Gertner do their usual heat building promo when Todd Gordon would come down to the ring. He takes the mic to tell everyone that Perry has a severe leg injury torn ACL, broken tibia, and has surgery scheduled for this next Tuesday. My tibia. And he would be out for the next year. And Gordon asks the Eliminators to come out and forfeit the titles. Which brings them out with Saturn's leg heavily braced and walking on crutches. But Terry takes the mic and says being champs means more to them than anything else. And if they're going to lose the belts... It will be in a fight. John then just yells out that he wants to wrestle. And starts laughing.
1: Yeah, Cronus is kind of uh, bizarrely giddy here.
2: Yeah.
0: So Todd calls for the bell. And the match is on, with Cronus getting attacked. And the Dudleys are beating him down until John ducks a double clothesline to hit one of his own. Followed by dropping them both with roundhouse kicks. Only for Big Dick to enter the ring to deliver a chokeslam. Bubba slams Cronus, Devon with a top rope flying headbutt. Big Dick comes in to help with the attack when Saturn would enter the ring to break a crutch across Dick's back, sending him stumbling onto Devon, causing them to crash out to the floor. Bubba Ray then charges at Perry only for him to duck and nail a cutter before rolling out, holding his leg, allowing John to make a cover for a two count. Cronus is then again double-teamed by the Dudleys, Bubba with a headbutt to the nuts, while Devon climbs the ropes, only for John to reverse a whip that sends Bubba Ray to the corner, causing Devon to crouch himself. Cronus then goes for a handspring back elbow, but Bubba moves, forcing Devon to take the blow. But it does allow Bubba Ray to hit a cutter of his own onto John for a near fall. Cronus then hits a boomerang whip. Which sends Bubba into the ref, ref bump, followed by a thrust kick to him, and slingshotting Devon and Big Dick into the ring. John nails a spinning heel kick to Dick to knock him out to the floor, nails Devon with one as well before tossing Bubba Ray to the floor as well, allowing him to head up top for a four-fifty splash, atop Devon, for the pin, and no, no. the ref is still out.
1: We don't have a ref. I mean, perfect 450 splash. Picture perfect. Yep.
0: This giant ass man. Always. Bubba jumps back into the ring with an elbow drop to break it up while Saturn also gets on the ring apron where Big Dick tries to pull him down only to knock him over the head with a crutch instead. Perry then climbs to the top rope coming off with an elbow drop making the cover for the pin and, and the win. Guys, yeah, a man in a broken leg and walking on crutches is beating down three Dudley boys. Yep. Just saying.
2: Yeah, I...
0: Uh,
1: I don't mind it because yeah. I kind of hate the Dudley boys.
2: Saturn made it up to that uh, at, least at this buckle point. better on one leg than I could with you know two two yeah fully functional, super strong yeah. legs. I do
1: love that in the finish, Bubba Ray leaps for the save, but... Is like too He's either yeah. He's like short or late, and it's just like ah, you got to yeah, do say I want to so.
2: say Cronus grabbed his foot or something oh, yeah, like that yeah. as he was jumping. So either that or made it look like it, anyways.
0: Post match, damage control, and a doctor come out to check on Saturn, loading him up on a stretcher to take him to the back, while Joey says his goodbyes, and we fade to black. And this would be the last time we see Saturn in an ECW ring. <laughs> While Cronus would end up losing the belts to the Dudleys in a two-on-one match in a couple of weeks. I mean, this
1: is definitely like we haven't reached. There's a great match between them, um, but the we haven't reached the like full stride of the Dudleys. We've been going. We're going going through like eras of it.
0: We're getting like closer,
2: but yes, we're uh, we're moving out of the stutter era.
0: They're they're now. I mean obviously a couple weeks they're going to be they're the, going to be the champions this is when they start their big
2: one
1: yeah, they're going to be the like predominant tag team yeah
2: they are the bloodline of 97
1: the inbred line because they're fat and uh you know
0: inbred inbred, inbred yes <laughs> so I ask you gentlemen what are your overall thoughts of Wrestlepalooza 1997 you want to go first or should I
2: you gotta take it i mean i usually just you know wing it on these you yeah yeah you have your speech written okay
1: okay it's kind of an all-star show uh everybody absolutely brought it it feels like an appropriate end of an era and an appropriate beginning of a new era of ecw all-in-one show not completely new characters or anything like that but it feels that's how it feels
0: i feel like you're writing these notes after you read mine
1: oh i didn't know my my tablet's <laughs> off that has your notes on them Literally, really basically <laughs> the same thing i said yeah but it's yeah. it's it, it, but they did it in an extremely exciting way and uh yeah paul is really smart when he wants to be and it helps when he has the talent
2: yeah this one was loaded <laughs> with lots of fun surprises that i had no expectations of ever expecting on an ECW show. Typically when there's a an ECW almost three-hour show, I kind of settle in because I know there's just going to be a whole lot more shit than there is good. And this was one of those where it was, I was ready for the next match. And then that match was over and I wanted to watch the next match. And it just, yeah. from from start to finish it, you know it had its high spots, it had its couple of, stinker moments, but, I mean, all in all, it was well, the, solid from, from beginning to end.
1: Like, the middle of the show is just, like, one, almost, like, one segment that just, like, ramps up and rolls into each other. Mm-hmm. It's like a cliffhanger, like, from a, like, a television show, but you don't have to wait till next week. It just, like, keeps, like, ramping up.
0: Yep. Yeah, I found this show to be one of the best ones that ECW has ever put on, in my opinion. I, I agree. Yeah, I can't, I can't argue And literally, like you said, you can feel the changing of the guard. Yeah, as they move different people into different areas, because basically Taz takes over the TV title picture as champion, but Shane losing isn't isn't a bad thing because they're moving him
1: up the card. Up
0: the card because they've now lost Raven. Yeah, and so.
1: And it's like who's a Shane's been a better heel since he was born than Raven? Yeah, <laughs> like he's just got charisma and uh, he can talk. Raven, I understand like a the idea of a grunge character, but like a like a mopey goth character is so weird and lame and doesn't work in wrestling. And it just gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know.
0: Good, Where, where's the smart marks at? They're there. They're there. All right, fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So what are some of the best moments of this show?
1: Gangsters come out. X's go up. Gangsters get hit with chairs and canes and stuff. And the gangsters leave. Uh, and all of this takes whew, three minutes max. Come on, guys. Can we ask for more?
0: That's really all we need. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. I loved Shane sitting up in the in the eagle's nest just watching the show. Yeah, he And just, like, just being like, I'm going to interject here. Let me grab a mic. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, what? But he can talk, so you're not mad yeah, about exactly.
1: it. exactly. It's not... Yeah, if it was anybody else, I mean, it would have
0: worked. It was that connective tissue that helped keep the show moving as uh-huh. well. So yeah. it, I was perfectly fine with it. Yeah, I, I agree uh, completely.
2: He was having to sit above the people before he... Was able to go back and reclaim the the throne officially. Yeah, and
1: obviously my gangsters joke is mostly true, but mm-hmm. it's not the best thing on the show because the show is full of great stuff.
2: Oh, the show's full of great, but typically yeah. it's
1: maybe that might be the surprise. Typically, it's the
2: gangsters that add that segment of the show where the I you... end up at just skipping through because it's just one big blurry schmoz shit show. Our and, eyes
1: glaze over. Yeah, uh, you've seen yeah. it
2: with the same five teams over the last couple of years so you know having this just be a, a quick entrance and retreat yeah. was was nice and um, even,
1: even the, like the like brawl spots on this show still felt more rooted in like wrestling mm-hmm. than smash tv we're gonna do a bunch of crazy stuff they all there was motivation behind all of them so i didn't mind it as much
0: candido doing the funk impression yes oh yeah when he first came out Mm Mm-hmm. him coming at him wearing the funk tights yeah Stevie. yeah like his his whole speech was like it was heartbreaking yeah and i'm pretty sure the the re because funk gets funk gets a few boos when he first comes out yeah because people probably know hey stevie's hurt yeah, and, and Stevie's been on been hot. Terry's the one that did it. Yep. so people are a little upset, and I think that's that's why he got a few boos. And Stevie knows that that's not what we want, and I think that's a lot of the reason why he comes out and makes this speech. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's probably it's very heartfelt, and it feels real. But at the same time, It serves a purpose. It serves a purpose as well. Yeah, to hopefully, get the crowd it's, back on Terry's side. Yeah,
1: it's letting everybody know it's like, hey. I, I I'm forgave, not, I forgave him, I'm not mad at him for it So like, yeah. yeah Give the crowd the Yeah, the pass
2: He may not have been the best on commentary and, and announcing and whatnot But I'm I'm still sticking with my happy-go-lucky Rude
1: I mean, I do love Rick Rude being around yeah. uh, But he is not the greatest commentator But I just like him being
0: no, around
2: That's because he's who people are supposed to talk about It's yeah. not his job to talk about people
0: Couldn't put it any better for myself. <laughs> Yeah Dreamer finally pinned Raven, guys. Yeah. I couldn't well, be it's only more good a couple years.
1: And they, like, it's taken so long, and I haven't given a shit for so long. And in this final match, they did the right thing and made somebody doesn't care actually care. And it was uh, a complete ECW match. It was uh, busy as hell, but it was full of callbacks, fan mm-hmm. service. Yep yeah just the the whole damn thing was like as easy it was easy w as hell but in the best way possible it was the best match that i think those guys could have had at this point
0: taz telling lawler to suck his cock on an open mic I mean, everything taz does on this show is perfection i mean yeah, they turned taz they
1: really- into like the
0: biggest guy in the he's promotion he's stone cold now yeah I'm, re- I'm ready for him to say, uh, say his famous line. What's that? Survive, if I let you.
2: <laughs> I don't know that line, so I'm excited to hear it for the first time.
1: Yeah, and big ups to the last match. Yeah, after that huge segment that just kept rolling into itself, mm-hmm. and uh, just doing so much work and storytelling so quickly and cleanly, they have a match that is still worthy of being the main event. It might not be my favorite part of the show, but like, it's not. I think it's a better end to the show than for all of that stuff to roll. It's like, all right, we cut
0: this off I and know, we have match. No, Taz winning the belt and that being the end of the show. I, that, yeah, I guess I wouldn't that, that would have worked. Either. Yeah, as the ending of a show.
1: Let uh, Pitbull Two at one point uh, everybody's favorite wrestler finish off the show before. He's gone. Why not? They didn't let Raven do it, but
0: who cares? Well, they didn't know this was going to be Saturn's last time. They That's what I was they literally thought he was just going to go off and be injured, and he basically rehabs and gets signed, gets back. I mean, so the next time he seems in WCW. I mean, the prognosis really was that he wasn't going to be around for another year, but he just he came back way too early, mm-hmm. and so it does hurt his.
1: his mobility it hurts
0: the future of his career yeah
1: yeah Yeah. well did a pull the pillman yes and no I mean, they at least least knew he was injured yeah yeah. he he didn't sweep it under
2: the rug or anything like that he just came back way too soon and he kind of had that permanent fog over him for the rest of the time that he had a a wrestling career at least the rest of the time that I watched him on any show
1: Yeah, yeah yeah It was uh yeah it wasn't ring rust it was, an, it was injury it's like you're physically not it's able yeah. injury
2: and then you know pills that got turned into dust or something and yeah
1: yeah you fight trying to fight through it but uh you know
0: just uh t- yeah turning your square into a circle How about most disappointing I am gonna say like even though I loved Taz winning the TV bill, the logic behind Shane going, oh, you say you can beat me in five minutes? Okay, fine. I'll put my TV title... Like, Taz never asked for the title to be on the line. Mm -hmm. He just was like, I'm a badass. I can beat you in five minutes.
1: Well, I mean, that's the the heel thing, where he's too, like, full of himself and blah, 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 and then Taz took advantage of it. But, at the same time, it's like, why would you do that? But, that makes... Otherwise, the match just wouldn't happen. And he's also been
2: undefeated since 1995, so you figure with a two-year winning streak... I mean, yeah, the TV title is a title, but you figure that that would just elevate him up to the world title picture, but...
1: Yeah. But Taz almost doesn't need a title, but now he's a babyface, so...
0: Now he's going to get mad when he gets fucked It was literally just a small logic thing that Mm. was kind of like, uh... Makes no sense, but uh, yeah, I love that we're putting the TV title on Taz. I mean, for a second for I thought one.
1: you were gonna say the finish, and I was like, no, the finish was great. No, the, <laughs> the finish, finish is great. perfect. Yeah, so <laughs> like, what are you talking about? It's perfect. I was like, oh yeah, no, I understand uh, where you're coming from for sure.
2: Now there's really not.
1: I'm trying to think. It's like one of the early matches.
2: It's
0: like, man, Sam same man, Sam and, and Balls took forever on their entrance. I mean, yeah, it happens. But... Yeah. We know that's what's gonna do. Another gonna thing gonna do that really everybody. bothered me
1: is like in that big schmoz where uh, RVD and Cebu were just like beating everybody up. Beating everybody up. Sandman comes down, but still takes the time to chug a beer, yeah, which is, of course. which is, just adds to my further annoyance of him. It's like, no, get down there and do something. You don't like run down, drink the beer, and then look like a bitch. Gotta hydrate, man.
2: Yeah, he Good get, get to nobody if he gets down there and you know,
1: <laughs> not hydrated. Yeah.
2: Passes out from exhaustion and whatnot. He
1: needs that, some of that beer to fall down on his face, make it to his <laughs> knees to lube him up. Goddamn tin man of wrestling.
0: Anything else disappointing? Uh, I mean,
1: I'm not, the show that I'm it's a good not, show not, no, not I'm just like I'm
0: scrolling
2: about. through here just to see if there's anything that jumps out at me. But... I mean,
1: uh, Chetty and Shane Douglas was great. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, obviously, the worst match is the Bubba Ray or the Dudleys versus Sandman and Balls. Yeah. That's the worst match on yeah. the show that's just because we don't really give a shit about balls and Sandman.
1: but it's also s- better than something that they could have done exactly. or would have done in exactly. the past it's like it's better than sal Bolamo and uh fucking who, who were the dare you? who were the really large um uh black men
0: the i know who you're talking about yeah the the ones who did the moonsaults <laughs> yeah yeah
1: they were huge Headhunter? Yes. yes, the headhunters. Yeah, it's yes. better than a headhunters. Like balls and Sam and really What the name?
2: The Abdullah
1: twins. Yeah. Yeah. The the downtown Abbeys.
0: <laughs> How <about best> pre- <laughs> Sorry, nice. How about best performer of the night?
1: Ah, uh, that's tough. Uh, I, kinda I mean, wanna ta- give it, I
0: kind of want to give it to Candido.
1: Candido, it's one of those like Candido has been busting his ass, but not to like Cheers, and here he got cheers so he's like been putting in the work i would give him like the uh, most improved or like he had he i think he had the biggest like glow up whereas like taz is already taz mm-hmm. whether he's getting booed or cheered doesn't really matter because he's gonna elicit like an equal response in either direction whereas candido got kind of like half-assed boos, but here he's getting like full full cheers but i wouldn't be mad at candido douglas or Taz, it's like.
0: Yeah. I mean, Taz is definitely up there for me as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good with Candido.
1: I mean, Terry Funk impression.
0: <laughs> I think mean, let's hear yours. <laughs> I don't have it in me right now.
1: He didn't cut a promo.
0: How about most surprising? Waller. Yeah, it's Waller for sure.
2: Yep, Waller for me. And
1: it's so funny because yeah, it's really like, it. yeah, they've teased this for a while on the other show, but it doesn't mean that it was going to happen.
0: I mean, Van Damme is showing up on Raw pretty regularly. Oh, really? I mean, I know... I think he shows up the night after King of the Ring and beats Flash Funk.
1: And that's just a trade-off? They're just like, oh yeah, you can come work
0: here. I mean, they're... Basically, yeah. They're... I mean, Lawler... Lawler sticks around and they run a whole angle. here in C W So... We'll see Lawler again. Sounds fun. The first forbidden door. (laughs) And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The dusty finish. Shinya Hasamoto had been the IWGP Heavyweight Champion for the past six months when he would make his way to Battle Line Kushu in Hiroshima, Japan on April 4th, 1994 to face the most decorated champion in New Japan's history, Tatsumi Fujinami. An intense affair would break out as Tatsumi would keep his distance early on, preventing an assault by taking Shinya to a corner, working him over with lefts and rights. But Hashimoto would respond like a demon, kicking Fujinami in the face, the back of the head, and in the corner, before tossing him to the middle of the ring, leaving Tatsumi motionless. In the ring. Shinya would go to pick up Fujinami. Only for Tatsumi to cradle up Hashimoto. For the pin. To become the IWGP heavyweight champion. For the fifth time. Fujinami would be forced to rematch. With the former champion. The very next month.
2: Dun dun dun.
0: Playing possum. He definitely was. Next week. King of the ring. 1997.
2: We ready? Ready for some royalty?
0: To, to to king to king of man.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about this. King of the ring isn't really that prestigious. As soon as Mabel becomes king of the ring, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, what does it even matter anymore? It's Like, yeah, Owen did a great job with it. I mean, they Macho shined, Man did a great job with it. They
2: shined it up with yeah with a little Stone Cold there afterwards, but
0: yeah, yeah, it just. It definitely falls off of a cliff pretty quick. As soon as
1: Mabel gets it, but I still enjoy the King of the Ring concept and
2: uh, 95 was a tough year. I mean, yep. It it takes a while to rebuild, but we do recover.
0: <laughs> We're getting there. We've been getting there for a while. Music from this week's show is This is Extreme, Extreme. by Harry Slash in the Slash Tones. Aww. And the Eliminators won our main event, so we play their music. Total Elimination, also by Harry Slash in the Slash Show. So it's like yeah. Harry
2: Slash, Jim Johnson, whatever his name, <laughs> like his, his rock name? Pretty much.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's like, Who the fuck is Harry Slash?
1: It's Harry Slash. I don't know.
0: That's what he goes by.
1: Wonder of many Spotify monthly listeners he has. <laughs> if
0: you like this episode or any other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. Do as Michael says. Five stars or no stars. Don't waste your time being a jerk. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns...
2: Well, where are we heading to next? We're headed to Rhode Island. Have you ever been to Rhode Island? What'd you eat? What'd you drink? Yeah, give me some ideas. From the sounds of it, we might not be spending as much time in Philly in the the near future. Yay! Um... So Maybe your job will get easier. I'm hoping it'll get a little easier, but there's always room for some uh, outside help and suggestions. Yes, so give us a shout-out. Slide into our DMs. Where do you listen to your podcasts at? Are you a Spotify guy? Are you a, a Google Play? Or do you just iTunes it? I want to know. Shout us out on the, uh, the X.
0: Give an email any of those things at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on X at wrestlinghistoryx.com. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O. Next. We'll talk to you next week. Later.